So, here we go. Hello, welcome to the uh, Turtle, Turtle Reads, Reads podcast. I am uh, one of the hosts, Melissa. This is the other one. Clay. Hell yeah, we are here. Should we do that over again? Nah. <laughs> I feel so weird today. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird one uh, for sure for me too. You feel well, you feel because you just you rolled out of bed and you yeah. know had some Taco Bell and chilled, right? Yeah. And I had um, I just had a, a pound of beef and five eggs. Then that's probably what I'm gonna eat all day. So yeah, <laughs> so I'm feeling a little weird, a little sweaty, if you will. I am too. I did, I got we. It was a business meeting last night, but we also it was at a bar, so we got like a good bit of drinks. <laughs> well, I when I asked you bucks. if you were partying, and then you said I had a business meeting, and then you said at a bar, I was like, you were partying. It wasn't. I mean, <laughs> we legitimately talked about business. It was podcast business, which with included a board game which we played. So that's talking about business the way uh, guys doing cocaine talk about finance. You're just making big plans. No, we're, we're making plans, <laughs> but yeah, that's what people in finance are doing. On quaaludes. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah. Uh, How was your South by Southwest? It was good. Uh, it was uh, interesting not working at the club, instead working at a hotel now. So uh, it's been two, three weeks now. Yeah. That you've been there. Yeah. Um, maybe four. And yeah, it's. Uh, I had a few issues. Uh, one dude was having a psychotic break in our, our lobby. That was inevitable. You knew that was going to... Yeah, at some point. That's what they want you there for. Um, yeah, that's the main thing I'm there for is just take care of that issue. And I did. Was, Hijinks. Yeah. Um, but generally, it was pretty... It went pretty smooth. I was, I was glad uh, that I didn't have to work the club and South by because it's just madness here. Some yeah. complete insanity. Yeah. Did you go downtown at all other than work? I just came here. Yeah, I, I went to Esther's Follies, watched uh, Doug Loves Movies. That was fun. Um, but without a badge or a wristband, kind of pointless trying to go see yeah. shows. I didn't get one. I can't afford that. It's too expensive. Yeah, it's way you're just outpriced for entertainment. Yeah. I'll just go look at, I mean, you got plenty of entertainment. You got people having mental breakdowns at your, at your job, you know? Well, and then I get to come here for free and I get to see what happened, happening here, yeah. you know, listen to music and stuff. So it was, I, I, I saw whatever came through the Creek before I had to go to work. <laughs> what was there? Um, they had, uh, Oh, one, uh, some ballet thing where they danced with fish and, Oh, I think I saw a lady picture of that. pulled chocolate out of another one's pants and rubbed it on her face. It, it was it was a whole wild thing. Um, Very avant garde. Yeah, that word. If that's yeah. <laughs> what do you mean that word? That's that's uh, that's I, your word. That's a French word. Yeah, but also I don't think it applies. People were like, "This is art." <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you know this, but that is avant-garde. Avant-garde <laughs> is just people throwing fish at each other, and then somebody goes, "This isn't art," and then somebody else is like, "It's avant-garde." That's from the from the dawn of avant-garde. I think it's been like that. It was it was weird, whatever it was. I don't I don't I'm good on it. Um, and then but then like 
uh, I was talking to three people out back. They were like going in and out and watching it. And I had seen a good bit. Like I watched like first 20 or so minutes and I'm like, I'm good. I, I don't need to see the rest. I know this is, this is a mild perverts. Yeah. Basically, yeah. If if the guy that had had a mental breakdown at your job had just been on stage, what do you think would have happened? Oh, I mean, I've seen that before. We had a homeless, oh, crazy homeless go, guy go on stage during the mic before. But do you think people would just think it was a show, part of the show? If it was... For the fish show. Yeah, for the fish show. Yeah, they probably wouldn't think twice. They probably <laughs> would try to... Standing gleam, ovation. Gleam some kind of... Uh, some meaning message some non like descript message on this crazy person just having a rant and and, and yeah they would that they whenever he walked off the stage or got yeah. walked off the stage by a security guard they would go oh. yeah <laughs> that security guard was so realistic right? i mean wow they they included the staff in the show and yeah. everything it's great <laughs> it's so immersive <laughs> <laughs> he smacked the shit out of me. I felt like I was really part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he came on off stage with his dick out, I, I was like, wow, is this really happening? <laughs> I can smell it. I can smell it. It's like, he, it really smells like the streets. I mean, I wonder what they did to make it smell like the streets. <laughs> his dick smelled like, you know, like West, like 6th Street. It was crazy. Well, you know, I mean, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> you know, it's it's fine. You know, if people want to say that anything you do on stage is art, I don't give a shit. I mean, fine. Same, but also, man, there has to be some, like, perverts is fun. And it's because, for me, it's like the shocking aspect of well, it. Well, perverts, that is the, the theme. Yeah. So you know, what, you know what you're getting. You know you're supposed to be getting it. Yeah. You go there for that. And maybe for the people who are, like, following that particular show, maybe that's a that's the thing. But whenever your main thing is a piano player and ballet dancers, and then, like, you try to do, like, a deep story and throw in shocking stuff, and then, like... What is what what is with the they literally pulled out giant like real fish, like big ass fish. Yeah, they're real dead. And real they're dead. Just yeah, on stage dancing with. Dead, and you love seafood, so fish. you must have been extra offended. Yeah, man, cook that shit. <laughs> um, but you like you don't do that to a catfish. <laughs> That's disrespectful. <laughs> it was like. Uh, uh, you, at, at some point, if something is art, you have to be able to sit down and explain what the art is. You can't just be like, oh, it's dancing fish for dancing fish's sake. It's like, no, that's Absolutely. not a thing. That's not, it doesn't mean anything. It's even worse than that, though. Because some, <laughs> if somebody could pull off dancing fish for dancing fish's sake, even that would be better than what you're talking about. Because I know what you mean. It's it's more than that. It's 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 almost like a like a... Like an artistic laziness. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. If they actually made the effort to make dancing fish, that would be nice to see, right? Imagine. Yeah, make like like puppet legs for the fish and shit yeah. like that. Like I make I, use the ballerina legs. Yeah. And then from the waist up they got they you can't see them. They're they'll wear morph suits, right? So all you see is a, a dead fish and ballerina legs underneath, right? <laughs> that would be right? Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. But what you're talking I know it because I've seen it too. It's it's a different kind of thing. It's people who are being lazy. Huh. Somehow, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like they rolled a dice for keywords 
and then they're like, we're going to make these keywords fit into a show. Exactly. Fish, chocolate underwear, like just like yeah. rolled for randomness and then like we'll make this fit yeah and it doesn't even come out of your own inspiration yeah that's the worst part yeah i know what you're saying but that's you know that's the thing and um the 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 thing about that is if you want to go do that on your own time that's fine but the perverse part of it is you tricking people to come out you got you got 50 people to come out and watch you yeah you know what i mean you might as well just watch you jack off you know what i'm saying it's it's kind of the same thing yeah so uh some something about that for me is what south by southwest feels like in general yeah a lot of it is and a lot of it especially i watched like chris rock special and stuff and and he's talking about will smith you know and it's like it's starting to feel almost like when it comes to celebrities and people performing they're actually paying for us to be there i don't know how to explain or we're paying to go give them our fucking eyeballs like, like they're getting more out of it than we are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like they're getting validated. They're getting their ego stroked. Yeah. They get to be like, look how many followers I have. And they get to, to bitch about their enemies, right? Their Hollywood enemies. And, yeah. and, and also just look pretty. And, and we just have to fucking be there like a bunch of rubes gawking at them. And we got to pay money to go watch people. For, and they're not, even, they're not even making an effort. Yeah, that's that's the thing I don't like. I, I do feel I haven't seen Chris Rock special yet, but I do feel that like uh, with comedy, it's a little different because even at like the highest levels, they still feel that they're giving something to the audience. When Chris Rock was talking about Will Smith, it kind of didn't feel like that, though. I don't know how to explain it because he, mean, he wasn't saying it in a way. He had the one good joke uh, where that it peaked in which you probably already seen nah, no maybe or whatever but watch anything but the, the whole it was just I don't know. It, it with that one that particular thing i mean uh, at one point you do got to kind of just tell the story like he had to get it out there he had to say something about it because that was such a big event of course um and if he if he even if he couldn't like even if if i had that story to tell and i was doing a special and then i was like i haven't come up with a punchline for this yet but I do want to speak my mind on it. Mm-hmm. I would, I would just be like, "Yeah, yeah fuck you, uh, Will well, Smith. You, you, your you, chick's bald. Uh, <laughs> get over it." <laughs> but he didn't even do that. You know, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like, it didn't feel like he had, because you could be excused. I could even me, right, for maybe not coming up with something yet about it, right? Because we're not Chris Rock. But Chris Rock, even if he doesn't feel like writing it, he can afford to pay people to write it for him. You know, if he wants to. I mean, his first special is a lot of people contributed their jokes yeah. to that to those specials right yeah. and and i know and people know exactly who they are even it's michelle wolf and people like that you know but the fact that he didn't even yeah pay anybody to give him some more punchlines, it was kind of more it just didn't it made it feel kind of like the fish thing it made it feel like he was throwing a fish yeah. around on stage for a while it's pretty funny the one of those ballet dancers is like a voice a famous voice actor actress really yeah <laughs> i forget exactly for what i think it, i don't think it's lisa simpson i don't know exactly who but it was she's like a famous voice actress who like yeah started doing this fucking weird show mm. all right maybe uh, maybe there's some meaning behind yeah. it <laughs> but there's a lot of art like that now yeah. uh, there's also the the ones where they deconstruct the white male that's a fun one. Yeah, that's, where that's, that's a lot. Somebody, if somebody wears like a dildo and they pretend to be a white guy and then they rip their dildo off and they throw it, you know, or something like that. And yeah. 
like, I'm a rapist, you know? And then you're just like, all right, well, what's the message? <laughs> I love those. I think perverts have done something like that, like bit bit off a fake dildo. And, you know, just, There's a lot of that now. Yeah. But it's it's been done so many times. Yeah, it's, it's, we get it. And it's a pushback against what they consider the patriarchy, but then it's like, all right. Yeah, but do something creatively new yeah. like for go ahead and destroy the but like push the the envelope right don't yeah we get it you pull the dick off that's the thing i'm saying it's just like yeah 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 you, you mutilated the dick you've mutilated the dick it is the dick is unrecognizable in the patriarchy the dick is gone the dick and the balls have been ripped clean off the patriarchy but there's other parts of the body <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah you know, the more they destroy the dick, the more it kind of lends credibility to the whole penis envy yeah. theory, right? Because, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my two cents. So that was about art. <laughs> let's move on to actual art. Let's, yeah, let's move on to real art. But because even Terry Pratchett, right, he's talking about, he, he's very postmodern, like the way these people are, right? This is postmodern art where, where you're making art that comments on art. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a whole thing. You, yeah. know, you have to know what they're talking about to understand what they're saying. Yeah. He has a, a lot of referential shit in here that like yeah. you would you'd need to know some shit about. Well, but the difference is. Well, first of all, you can find it. Secondly, it's in the culture. He's yeah. he's riffing on things that you will have experienced. Most likely, if you read books, yeah. you'll read sci fi, you'll read fantasy. You'll know what he's trying to say. Right. So he's he's actually pulling from a solid foundation of shared literary experience. Yeah. It's not bullshit. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think it's like people have been commenting on comments, then commenting on those comments to where we're at a part of a cultural expression where you're literally throwing fish on stage. Yeah. And uh, you don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah. And uh, uh, Terry Pratchett at least keeps it funny. Like he, yeah, he, and he has he a sense of humor. Jokes. There's perspective. <laughs> perspective. <laughs> right? Like if they told a knock knock joke while they were dancing with fish, that would have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, right, but that's what I'm saying. Cause cause the well, knock knock, who's there? Yeah. Dead fish. <laughs> like something. And like a little pirouette. Yeah. I, I still want the ballerina legs underneath it, the dead fish. <laughs> right. And then everybody should eat the fish. Then there should be uh a grilling afterwards yeah. and we should all partake in the fish. That's a waste of fish. <laughs> yeah, you know they probably threw that fish out, right? Oh, of course. That's what I'm saying. Like, this bullshit. This is a fucking homeless shelter right up the block. Right? Grill, grill your art and give your art to the homeless. Give, give a, grill it in front of them so they, they're not suspicious either. Ballerinas and people who do Santeria, don't waste your food. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I forgot I told you about that. <laughs> yeah, dude, all the chicken, all the corn, and all the fish that gets wasted with, with Santeria and art, I mean, is ridiculous. <laughs> okay? All right. All right. So <laughs> let's get talking about the thing we're supposed to talk about. Sorcery. Yeah. Um, it's the third, uh, it's the fifth, fifth Discworld novel and the third appearance of Rincewind fourth if mort counts which kind of does um if mort counts mort is one of the books there's, there's technically five death novels and there's three rincewind novels and those three rincewind novels are part of the death series yeah i guess so there's a lot of overlap yeah mort is uh 
the um the guy that he takes on as an apprentice. Susan Stohillet's father. His father, yeah. Yeah. So and there's a whole book about him. Yeah. More. Um, but uh yeah, sorcery third in the Rincewind series. Uh we had done the um uh, Light Fantastic before this and Colored Magic before that, but we have lost Colored Magic. We will redo that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorcery uh, starts off with the crazy wizard guy. Maybe the spell. Uh, maybe the maybe the file is an octarine, and that's why I can't see it. So so we should get you close to death. You find that shit. All right. Well, you strangle me, and then <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's art. Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. As long as it's on camera, and it, you you could you consented. This is a stage. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> stage of my death. All right. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, sorcery. It's uh, about uh, God dang it! Oh fuck it! Uh, it's about a uh, um, wizard who is the eighth son of an eighth son, uh, and then which makes him a wizard, and then and this is off of an old. Um, kind of belief in actual fantasy uh, novels, like other fantasy novels. The Seventh Son of a Seventh Son is is a. Thing. I've read that before. Yeah. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a witch. Oh, okay. You know, of course, I, I watched The Craft, and I was like, I want to do spells. Yeah, and so yeah, uh, in but in the disc world, since eight is the color of is the number of magic octarine it's the eighth color mm-hmm. all that shit um yeah it's uh the eighth son of the eighth son of the eighth son mm-hmm. is a uh, is a sorcerer which is uh actual like uh a source of magic pure magic mm-hmm. yeah in a person human who, form yeah they don't draw magic to them or manipulate it they just are it yeah and everything else is kind of subject to it because yeah. it's a person who can just change anything at will yeah yeah and uh but yeah um the eighth son of the eighth son ipslor the red had his eighth son he called coin mm-hmm. which is a weird name i don't know why <laughs> i called my cat money my first cat that's funny I don't know why. I forget even why I ever did it. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I just, his name was Money. Um, I grew up in the Bronx. Maybe that had something to do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, death comes for Ipsilor whenever he has his, uh, he has coin. And uh, he goes and he's going to kill Ipsilor uh, as every wizard, whenever they die, death Appears Death appears, yeah. For them specifically. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ipsor tricks him by uh, turning himself into a staff and then making Death agree that... Uh, well, first he makes Death agree. Yeah, he makes... Uh, what does he... He makes him agree uh, that the staff is going to... He, he Coin will he have the staff. staff. Coin will have his staff... Uh, until his destiny is realized or some shit like right. that. Right. And then he puts himself in the staff. Yeah. Th- therefore, death, death can't, can't touch him. him. Yeah. Yeah. I like whenever death appears because he is, he tells no jokes. He's not funny at all, but it's always kind of funny when he shows up. Oh, yeah. Because he, he, he's, he's such a wet blanket. It's very circumstantial humor. 
Um, one of my favorite, I, I see it in memes all the time, is uh, from Hogfather with Death whenever he's handing out presents. Oh, yeah. And he gives a girl a sword. And his, the girl's mother's like, a little girl can't have a sword. And he's like, it's a very, uh, it's a uh, very educational uh, present. Yeah. And she's like, she might cut herself. And he's like, that would be a good lesson to learn. Yeah, that's the education part. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's very like circumstantially or uh, situationally funny. Yeah, yeah, it's it, um, yeah, he he kind of just fucks off. He's like, "All right, you tricked me, good, but yeah, this is gonna end horribly." Well, he can afford <laughs> to have all the patients he wants. He's deaf, yeah, yeah. right? Every, so everything comes to him eventually. It doesn't even matter. I mean, he was he was pretty pissed about Rintwin for a good minute throughout the first two books. Well, I think Rincewin just confused him also. Yeah. I think that's why he, because he kept wasting, I think it just wasted his his energy, right? Because yeah. every single time, it's like, oh, this guy's finally dying, and he would show up, and be like, not, oh, okay, yeah. never mind. I guess I'll be over here sharpening my scythe or whatever. Yeah, he'd kill a, a group of gnats out of anger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to uh, mention something, because we've been talking about um, Rincewind, and the luggage mm -hmm. is a character that makes a lot of appearances. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you notice this, but in the dedication to sorcery, um, that he he says where he got the inf inspiration for the luggage. What? So but I just want to read it real quick. He goes, many years ago I saw in Bath, which is in the UK, a very large American lady uh, towing a huge suitcase very fast on little rattly wheels which caught in the pavement cracks and gave it a life of its own. And at that moment, the luggage was born. Nice. That's nice. That makes sense. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can, I can really imagine that happening though. Yeah, it, you know? Yeah. It's for sure. Like just some random giant trunk. Some ladies pulling has a whole bunch of stickers on it. Yeah. And he, he, well, it has a tiny little rattly wheels, but it's, you know, Bath is, is some old, uh, it used to be Roman. So yeah. it got little cobbled streets. Yeah. So the wheels were probably no. just jumping around like crazy. Yeah. So that must have been, yeah, I can totally see him getting inspired with that. I just wanted to bring it up because it looked interesting. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and. Uh, but yeah. So uh, after um, Death and leave, Leaves Coin, uh, eight years later, Virid weighs the goose, the Archchancellor designate. Of Unseen University is murdered by Coin before his induction, who then forces his way into University's Great Hall. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was pretty. That badass. point was pretty fucking great. Uh, yeah, just he so powerful, just changing everything immediately, creating the tiny like they have that little tiny ball sphere of like, um, what was it? Somebody's garden. What what was that spell? Oh, that uh, the wizard. Or yeah. a sorcerer, I think it was. Yeah, it was like the fir the original sorcerer. He made like a garden in a sphere, and then just disappeared and in it. Disappeared into it, and Coin was just able to like take that and like, okay, let's see what this is, and expand it out, like blow it up, like he's zooming into a screen. Mm. That was great. Um, uh, and after Coin bests one of the top wizards in the university, makes him go poof. 
Uh, he is welcomed by the majority of the wizards. Rincewind, the luggage, and the librarian miss Coin's arrival, having fled the university shortly beforehand after the foreboding departure of all its magically influenced pest populations. Yeah, the rats run away, mm-hmm. uh, ants run away while like talking, like uh, everything is magical. The cockroaches yeah. run away. Well, I like the mattress. That the mattress. It's bed bugs. Yeah, the mattress. Bugs. You see the mattress running away, but it's actually just a bunch of bed bugs. Yeah. What are they going to do? Leave their home there, too? I guess uh, not. Carry away the bed, too. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a bed bug infestation? My I've, brother I've never had, had one yet. My brother had, he lived in a house with like five other guys, and they had bed bugs for like five years. Five years? They, they bombed the place. They did everything they could. And just, they kept on coming back. Damn. Yeah. They bite, man. They and then suck. I had got him at one point from them. You did? Like, I slept over there. What did you get? Just a couple bites or what happened? Yeah, it was, it was a couple bites over the course of like a couple months. Uh, and then once I f- figured out what it was, fucking trashed everything. Yeah, that's the way you got to do it. Get rid of everything. <laughs> just walk away from your home. Just walk away from your apartment, leave everything behind, and rent a new place, yeah. and never come back. It was, it was, yeah, I wasn't taking any chances. Fuck that Burn shit. the building where the build, where you were living. I think that's the only way to do it. There yeah. was a bed, rub, bug, bed bug infestation in New York City one time, and for months, all you saw were mattresses on the streets, and everybody was freaking out constantly. It was just everybody threw out their mattresses. Nice. The whole city. It's, it's <laughs> fucking crazy. They have a my favorite restaurant, Raisin Cane's, opening up a place in Times Square. Oh, really? Yeah. What's it called, Raisin Cane? Raisin Cane's, yeah. It's like a chicken finger place from from South Louisiana. Oh, get out of here. They have someone here in Austin, but they are opening up one in uh, Times Square. I heard Zach and Miko talking about it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad there's some Southern cuisine getting up there because there isn't a lot. It's not, and really the few good. that there is, it isn't well, good. It, it is kind of Southern cuisine. The, so the main thing about Raisin Cane's is their dipping sauce. It's basically crawfish dip. Oh. Yeah. That sounds good. It's so good. Like, uh, there's a meme, Cajun meme, where it's uh, about Raisin Cane's. It's, uh, so you order Raisin Cane's, you get chicken, uh, chicken strips, fries, and toast, and you can get coleslaw. I don't get coleslaw. I don't like coleslaw. But <laughs> It took me a long time to get into coleslaw. It's hard. Uh, but literally, I dip everything: the toast, the fries, the chicken, you all in the sauce. Well, that means you got to get extra sauce. Oh, I do every time. Yeah. And then, but the meme—it's—it's it's literally uh, four, the four, one of the four-panel memes, and a picture of someone dipping the ch- chicken strips in in the sauce, dipping the fries in the sauce, dipping the toast in the sauce, and then they just. T- Fourth panel is them taking the box itself, the styrofoam <laughs> box, and dipping it into the sauce. <laughs> That's really funny. It's literally what you could do because <laughs> shit is so good. Well, we also already found out that the nutritional value of a lot of fast food is a cardboard box. Yeah, so you can totally do well that. Be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, do you? Why don't you learn how to make that sauce? I mean, I, I, I we have our own version. My family has its own version. It's uh, mayo, ketchup, Worcestershire sauce, and some mm-hmm. seasoning. I figured it was something like that. Yeah. But what about the crawfish? What do you mean? Add crawfish into it. Didn't you say it was a sauce with crawfish? No, it's a crawfish dip. I mean, sorry, a crawfish dip? Yeah, to dip crawfish in. Oh, I thought I thought the base in it had somehow had some crawfish. No. Some kind of crawfish flavor. No. Because that sounds good. Yeah. I did have a, a crawfish base dip it, uh, before I left uh, 
Louisiana. Crawfish uh, paste, yeah. Butter, right? It, yeah, like a, like a butter crawfish with cheese dip. Um, it was at uh, Lano's in Lafayette. It was so good. I love food. Same. <laughs> tried. I uh, fucking love food. I hate. I, I don't like oyster, <laughs> but I tried char broiled oysters there for the mm. first like for the first time, and that's an oyster I could do. A char broiled, it's fire. That's nice. That sounds great. Uh, I've, I've had. Have you ever had oysters with beer directly? No. I will. I mean, oysters, I've, hot sauce, beer. I don't like hot sauce. Oh, you don't? No. Okay. It, if if. So I think somebody just. No, that's that was probably a fish. Somebody threw a fish. That's fine. The homeless guy who lives at Swing next door just had a fish thrown yeah, at him. Somebody threw a fish at that guy. He's like, damn, again? I, the art around here is getting so aggressive. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, yeah. Uh, I don't really like hot sauce. Like, I'm not a spice guy. Um, and if we're going to try to make something more flavorful then might as well just like add flavor add flavor like, i get you i totally understand like i like hot something. sauce but i know what you're saying but no i can't do a uh, raw oysters even and, uh, i haven't tried the beer thing yeah but the sliminess i cannot do that um but charbroiled is fucking fire would you say you have a sensitive ta- uh, palate like yeah, like uh, when people cook things for you and you eat them you can tell what's in them from taste. You could be like, oh, you put too much pepper. Are you that kind of person? Not from taste, from texture. I have a thing with texture. Ah. Uh, first time I tried mozzarella sticks, I threw up. Yeah, I can see that. I can see, totally see why. And now I love them. Yeah. Uh, first time I tried sushi, I threw up. Uh, and it's like as soon as it hits my tongue or I, like I feel the texture. So like if I get like a burrito from somebody randomly or something or a gyro, a hero, um, uh, around here, especially. You can say gyro. Uh, I won't tell. Uh, here, around here, especially, if I get a if I get a gyro, it's and it has like cucumber and shit in it. The cucumber texture fucks with me so bad. Uh, you don't like slimy textures, basically. Yeah. Because all of those are slime. It's not necessarily slime but that's the it's closest like slime word mixed I can with think crunch of. and it's like that it's not supposed to be together yeah you know it's like it's lumpy mush you yeah. don't like lumpy mush yeah that's what it is yeah yeah totally <laughs> i mean it doesn't sound right good so <laughs> it's lumpy mush yeah, but it, and it's the same thing with like big hunks of onion and stuff you know like that'll set off my palate where i'm like ah that's really interesting i've never heard anybody yeah. say, um tell me that nobody's ever told me that yeah okay so i i, I do that's what sucks uh the creek in the cave is lo- losing their amazing chef todd <laughs> uh and and munson they're both heading back to nantucket oh all right um and he was he he's he was slowly like he was kind of dedicated to be like okay Clay, i'm gonna open up your palate i'm gonna give you shit and you just eat it don't ask me i would go and be like what's in in this burrito and he's like shut up eat it <laughs> all right <laughs> and but it was it was always really good uh, there was sometimes where it would i would i would like feel the texture of it be weird but it, uh overall he would he's such a good cook he, he would uh always do it really well what makes you get over just the like with the mozzarella like. sticks is just e- eating it and what happens you just understand what you're eating all of a sudden yeah 
You had, to, you had to talk yourself through it. Yeah, I mean, over time, my palate is just like, okay, this is a thing. That this is we, okay. Yeah, this is a thing. It's okay. We can consume. <laughs> so, do you hate oatmeal? No, I'm fine with oatmeal. Really? Yeah. Did you ever hate it? No. Yeah. You're such an enigma, Clay. <laughs> You're a mystery. <laughs> All right, well, let's get back to the story, yeah. I guess. I, I instigated that tangent. That's enough that for the tangent. food talk. Yeah, I instigated that, so I apologize. Well, we need a little bit of food talk on every episode. Love we food. always do it. Yes. <laughs> just this weekend, I'm going to make meatballs, meatball sandwiches. Nice. I just got goodles. You know what goodles are? No. It's uh, macaroni and cheese that I've seen advertised for years. Um, but it's like all like uh, plant-based like oh, that's nice. Stuff and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, you ordered, I yeah, have like 12 boxes of goodles. Holy shit. <laughs> I guess you like that. I love mac and cheese. <laughs> and uh, they had like a variety pack for 40 bucks, all like right. 12 boxes for 40 bucks. I'm like, all right. I made some Gouda mac and cheese. Do you want some? I think that's one of the options. But yes, I would love some. Okay, Gouda cool. Mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made, I made a shit ton, so I need to get, awesome. you, know, you know the deal. Yep. All right. Um, so I yeah, need, I need to establish a food army of people who are down. I am always. Oh uh, yeah, I got I got you, and uh, and you. <laughs> <laughs> Other people are down, but it depends. But yeah, yeah okay. Anyway. Um, so uh, having rinse, wind, luggage, and librarian fled university. Whenever all the pests are going crazy, while they're at the mended drum, Conina. At the what? The mended drum. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm with you now. While they're at the Mended Drum, Konina, a professional thief, and a daughter of Discworld legend Kohen the Barbarian. Yeah, yeah, uh, I like this character. Kohen is... Uh, oh, you like Kohen? Kohen, I like them both. I mean... Yeah, Kohen is, was... He doesn't really appear in, in this too much, uh, besides the, the references, but Konina is, is great. Yeah. She wants to be a hairstylist, but she's really good at fucking people up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a funny character. And it's and it's the whole theme of the, the thing. It's like who you are is who you feel like you are. Yeah. Sometimes who you end up being does isn't always line up with it, but it's like you know who you are. Yeah. That's yeah, she's like that. Uh Konina arrives holding a box containing the Arch Chancellor's hat, which she has produced from the room of Waze Goose. Waze Goose. And possesses a kind of sentience as a result of being worn by hundreds of arch chancellors. Yeah. Under the direction of the hat, which sees coin as a threat to wizardry and the very world, Konina forces Runswin to come with her and take a boat to the city of Al Kali, where the hat claims there is someone fit to wear it. <laughs> yeah. The hat uh, basically is uh, the consciousnesses of all the other arch chancellors, and they're actually really, really fucking powerful altogether. Yeah, pretty yeah. badass too. When yeah. uh, Rincewin puts the hat on at one point, he sees them all. Yeah, he, he, see, he sees the, see. all the wizards lined up in, and they just disappear into the gray. Yeah, and then uh, the hat's able to like straight up freeze someone into fucking a hot hunk of ice whenever he tries to put it on and shit. Yeah, it's just liquid nitrogen. <laughs> yeah, and you're fucking done. Instant. Yeah. Um. So yeah, in Ink more point, the wizards are made more powerful due to Coin's presence, drawing more magic into the Discworld. Under Coin's direction, the wizards take over Ink Morpork, transforming it into a pristine city and transforming the patrician Lord Vetinari into a newt and make plans to take over the world. Which was like that part where they got Vetinari. I, I like Vetinari as a character and it kind of 
like I, I, I know I've read it before, uh, but whenever I was reading it this time, I'm like, fuck, I wanted the patrician to do so to much win. more about this. Not not to win necessarily, because he's not going to win against the but sorcerer. outsmart them, maybe? Yeah, get out, like, get away somehow, like, go hiding in, in something. But, like, just to straight up pacify Veterinari as a newt. Well, I think that's kind of, it's kind of perfect because it says exactly what, I think Terry Pratchett would want to say in this scenario, right? Which is, I can't believe I said scenario. I always say scenario. Anyway, I'm American. So look, <laughs> uh, I'm so, reading makes you sound like a douchebag eventually. Anyway, so, um, you know, I think it's basically that, right? Because veten- uh, Veterinari is a lot like Anthony Jeselnik's character, right? It's the bad guy that you like to root for a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like you're saying he's great. He's a good guy, right? Yeah. But it's just fun, right? Yeah. It's a fun bad guy. And he's the bad guy that keeps all the other bad guys in check. And so we like that, right? Yeah. So Veterinari is that guy. And I think that's what Terry Pratchett's saying, right? He's saying that this is such a threat existentially to the disc world, right? Because they're going to become so powerful um, and get rid of bad guys. But they're even getting rid of bad guys that actually maintain a level of balance there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what do you think about that? And also the wizards themselves. Right. It's it's unhinging them because they're getting so full of this power that everybody wants them to have. Right. People are always like, why don't the wizards do more shit? Why don't they have more power to do? Can they not do anything? They fucking suck. They're this. They're that. All they care about is light shows. Right. But then this whole thing is like, it's good that all they care about is light shows because this is what happens when they can do shit. Right. Yeah. They they they're uh like let them be a bunch of pretty silly yeah and let them be silly <laughs> let, right, let them be silly and complacent but also let them be contained in their in their wizarding school because yeah. that's where they belong right yeah. and it's that's where it's safe keep the power here and don't let it interfere too much with the rest of the world so people can carry on and have a life yeah right so yeah it's a good uh i think it's a good part of the plot it, it really kind of drives home the threat of the wizards yeah. becoming this powerful oh yeah it was a very important point i was just like man i wish it just sucks yeah. but that's that's why you feeling like it sucks is exactly the point right you feeling like fuck dude veterinary not veterinary you know it's like that's exact he's there terry patch is like exactly veterinary too you know <laughs> um yeah elsewhere rinswin conina and the luggage end up in the company of creosote the Seraph of Al-Khali, and Abram, his treacherous vizier. The trio are eventually separated. Rincewind is thrown into a snake pit where he meets Nigel the Destroyer, uh-huh. a barbarian hero in training who is kind of useless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Konina is taken to Creatsote's harem where the Seraph has concubines tell him stories. That's adorable. Mostly about, like, rabbits. Yeah. Uh, and the luggage, having been scorned by Konina, the luggage was trying to fuck Konina. It's... It was a weird thing. How and would that she, even work? I, that, that's the point that Rincewind made. He's like, you're made of wood. What, yeah. what is this? Uh, Konina kicks the kicks the luggage. Is like, go away. Yeah. And then he goes off dejectedly to get drunk. Not yeah. Just a giant trunk, just getting drunk. Yeah, the luggage is such a dude. <laughs> dude, dude <laughs> maybe the luggage has a, a penis that comes out of the keyhole or something. That like, would in be that hilarious. Movie. I mean... It, it is it is like a multi-dimensional like box it probably has like one dimension just that just anything. like op- yeah. it opens up and there's just this giant dick that falls yeah. out yeah. <laughs> it's 
like a dong in a box, you know? It's like a jack <laughs> in the box. Dong in a yeah. box. <laughs> dong in, in a box. Yeah. Yeah, the the luggage gets drunk before killing and eating several creatures in the deserts. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was crazy. Because it, it was yeah. killing and eating... Creatures that wanted to kill and eat it. Yeah. Big powerful ones. Yeah. Dragons and shit. I mean, yeah, he's he's that the luggage is just on another level. Yeah. Uh it it'll eat whatever. Um so yeah, Coin eventually declares unseen university and the various wizarding orders obsolete and orders the library to be burnt down. It, uh, that's one thing I like about this book for sure, is the uh librarian gets a good long like hey i'm gonna fuck people up for a good portion of this book a couple times he's he just like falls from the ceiling and like twisting someone's neck it's great completely (laughs) realistic yeah have you you ever seen monkeys angry (laughs) it's an ape ape. but apes (laughs) well but but apes have you ever seen an ape with uh muscles like yeah, you don't see yeah. the, the fur you yeah. just see their muscles like chimpanzees they're terrifying there, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's lean muscle like 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 it's lean gymnast yeah. better than gymnast because to them gymnasts are retards yeah. right if they see a gymnast swinging around they think that person is handicapped right they're like all oh, these slow people they're so <laughs> yeah you know we need to help them but they are so strong. So this orangutan ripping people's heads off is completely believable. Yeah, it's great. Um, he orders the library to burn down, claiming that wizardry no longer requires such things. A group of wizards then attack Al-Kali with the sheer amount of magic created by their arrival, temporarily putting Rincewind into a trance and enabling him to use magic. And he starts throwing lightning bolts and melting ceilings, allowing him and Nigel to escape the snake pit. They join up with Creosote and Konina, the latter immediately falling in love with Nigel, which was fucking funny because everybody's trying to fall in love with her. And she just falls in love with the, like, the most useless person. The there. helpless guy. Um, but he's not actually helpless. He reads and learns how to do stuff through books. Yeah, but... He, he, didn't, he, didn't he fight pretty well, too? No. Him? Didn't he do something where he did something really fast with a sword or yeah, some yeah. crap? Yeah, he, he spun the sword around his body and then flung it into the ceiling. Oh, okay. <laughs> I misread that. Like he, did, he did a cool trick of spinning the sword around his back and like toss it between his hands. And then next thing you know, he's like stuck in the ceiling. And he's like, oh, I, I see this happens at home. Well, and it's his first week. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's useless for he now. He might, he'll, he'll get better, possibly. <laughs> but for now, he sucks. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, and they encounter Abram, who had put on the Archancer's hat, hoping to gain power from it, only to be possessed instead. Having the experience of many previous arc chancellors, the hat proves an even match for sorcery-empowered wizards, fighting off a group of them and enlisting others to its cause. As this takes place, Rincewind, Konina, Nigel, and Creosote find a magical flying carpet haha, in the palace's treasury and use it to escape the palace as it gets destroyed by the possessed Abram building his own tower. So yeah, flying yeah. carpet, now part of their crew. Um, I mean... Like you say, it's fucking flying carpet in a, a, what is basically a, a Arab city. It, yeah, I know they're laying it on thick, but it's, you know. <laughs> but even that, he's he's kind of just. There's other books that Narnia does that basically. Narnia is like uh, pretending like they don't know what. It's like they just so happen to wear turbans. I don't know where these people are from. They're just and yeah. they're browner than us. Weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> we didn't take this from anywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, with the orders no longer around to keep the wizards in check, wizards across the Discworld go to war with one another, threatening to destroy the world completely. Upon hearing Creosote express anti-wizard sentiments, an angry and humiliated Rincewind abandons the group, taking the flying carpet and making his way to the university, where he learns that the librarian has saved the library books by hiding them in the ancient Tower of Art. Carpet and making... Oh, the ancient librarian. Tower of Art. Librarian convinces Rincewind to stop coin, and he goes off to face the sorcerer with a sock containing a half brick. Yeah, hell yeah, fuck it, dude. The best... Just orphanage, <laughs> orphanage style. <laughs> Going hard <laughs> with nothing but a brick and a sock. Yeah. Back in Al-Khali, the luggage, blaming the Archancellor's hat for everything it has endured, forces its way in the Abrams Tower. Distracted by the luggage, the possessed vizier is killed by the Ankmore Pork Wizards with the tower and Archancellor's hat getting destroyed in the process. Luggage for the win. Despite his victory, Coin becomes concerned when he is told that wizards rule under the Discworld gods. He traps the gods in an alternate reality, which shrinks to become a large pearl, tiny little pearl thing with a whole bunch of gods yelling in it, which then allows the ice giants to uh, go on a rampage, uh, release their glaciers, which are basically like... Their horses. Giant, yeah, steeds. Yeah. That destroy everything. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. He described it really well, too. I could imagine it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty fucking funny. Uh Freezing everything in their path. Rincewind confronts Coin soon after this. The sorcerer is amused but unthreatened by Rincewind attempting to fight him, prompting Ipslord to try and force Coin to kill him. Rincewind eventually convinces Coin to throw the staff away, but Ipslord's power is channeled against that of his son. The other wizards leave the tower as Rincewind rushes forward, grabbing the child and sending both of them to the dungeon dimensions, while death strikes the staff and takes Ipslord's soul. And the dungeon dimension was a weird thing. Like, it is basically like uh, the dimension that holds all of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, Cthulhu mythos fucking yeah, shit. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Where you don't even describe what they are because they're too horrifying. Yeah, exactly. To understand. There's, there's no real descriptions other than they're giant. Yeah. They're the things. Yeah, it's a very good <laughs> plot device. Yeah. Because it makes your your imagination do the work for yeah know, for them. Yeah. Very very convenient. You just, uh, you just kind of mention things. It's like shadows and slimy tentacle things. A lot of tentacles. Wings, bone stuff. Yeah. And we don't know. And then your brain just goes, oh, my God. And you're just like, oh, what else could it be? And <laughs> think about the worst thing in your head. Rinswin orders Coin to return to the university and, using his other sock filled with sand, attacks the creatures from the dungeon dimension as a distraction to ensure Coin's escape. The gods are subsequently set free, stopping the march of the ice giants. As the librarian helps Coin escape, the luggage charges into the dungeon dimensions after Rincewind. Of course. Because, yeah, luggage is the shit. Um, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> but that's just another cliffhanger. No, it's not. You don't know what the hell happens then. Coin returns to the university and ain't more pork to the way they were before he came. After Conina and Nigel travel to the university looking for Rincewind, Coin uses his magic to make them forget him and live happily ever after together. Recognizing that he is too powerful to remain in the world, Coin steps into a dimension of his own making, which is like that garden, a little sorcerer's garden that he uh, expanded before, and is not seen on the disc world again. The librarian takes Rincewind's battered hat, which was left behind when he went into the dungeon dimensions, and places it on a pedestal in the library. The, na the narrator states, a wizard will always come back for his hat. And it's not like that 
it's not like a cliffhanger necessarily. Prince Wynn is now like a. But you don't know what happened to him. Extra dimensional being. You don't know that. You don't know anything. Yeah, I do. Well, you know because you read the whole series, right? Well, but I don't. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. It's like this is like the ultimate ending for Rincewind that could have happened. Like he becomes an extra dimensional being who. Well, I guess death can never get him now. Exactly. And nothing could really touch him. He wasn't able to do magic at the first place. Now he kind of is magic. Like, and yeah, maybe he'll come back one day for his hat, but it doesn't really matter because he's basically everything now. Well, what makes you think that he becomes magic just because he's in another dimension? I don't understand. Um, what was the quote? Um, I thought there was a quote in it that I was like... Just paraphrase it, because um, you probably got the gist of it. There was, uh, like, whenever he was talking about, uh, or Coin was explaining what happened to Rincewind to Konina, um, he was like, uh, he's outside time and space and shit, like, like, he has become this being that has no corporeal body or whatever the fuck. So does that mean he's going to become one of those things in there? What if that's how those things even become what they are? They're just people that stumble into that dimension. Maybe, but I doubt it. I mean, do you know? <sighs> just say yes or no. Don't tell me what it is. No, I don't know. No, but I, I know from having read, read just a shit ton of like lore and all kinds of fantasy shit and stuff. Generally, if a wizard goes to another dimension and then is like, especially that type of dimension, that Cthulhu-esque type shit, um, especially if he was like one of the main protagonists, rarely they're going to make their protagonist become a giant monster mm. as the ending. Mm. Um, but also, it would, it, it's just a fitting end for him to like live in a nightmare for the rest of eternity no, no live throughout dimensions for the rest of eternity but he can go to other dimensions yeah how do you know uh that 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 was the quote it was like uh he he lives outside of time and space now okay i guess but that's if he had had magical ability but he didn't at first he he left with magical I'm ability i'm very confused because uh, of coin oh wait does he have the staff no, 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 no. But whenever he jumped dimensions with coin uh-huh. into the uh, uh, into that place, yeah, into that place, uh, he he had done that. He Cthulhu land. Yeah, he had magic, and so the disappearing of magic on the disc world didn't affect him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the luggage is going to keep him safe. And that's it. But the luggage probably just ate everything there. Yeah, and now there's just nothing. Oh man, that. That's a cool thing, too, to think that, like, the luggage cleared out the dungeon dimension. Yeah. The luggage is just slowly, like, the luggage right now is <laughs> the premise to Pac-Man. That's the luggage <laughs> in that dimension. He's just, nom, 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 and there's just ghosts and shit everywhere and spooks, and he's just like, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. So that maybe that could be what's happening. I don't know. I don't know, okay? I don't know. But does he ever make a return to any plots or stories? No. No? That's it? No, that's it for God damn it. All right. 
Well, that was cool. Melissa did not like that ending for Rincewind. Did, I didn't. That was multiple endings for Rincewind. Every single time it was like. <laughs> he falls off the earth. Yeah. <laughs> His, his ending is losing at every Mario Brothers game. It's just, it, you know, it's some, some kind of version of losing at a video game where it's like, as the end of the story, and you're like, what the fuck happens now? Yeah, but the world's still saved. I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. He still saves the world every time. All right. <laughs> and Kanina and Nigel. Uh, together. Yeah, Tony and Nigel, they go live happily ever after. I like the scene where the books are flying in the air. Oh, yeah. To the tower and then back to the library. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And the orangutan shepherding them. Yeah. I like that. I love, yeah, that's what I was saying. I love that they got a good bit of the library and doing shit in this one. Shows the, uh, like, why he's important in the whole world in general. Like, he. Absolutely. And of course, a writer would say that the librarian is one of the most important people <laughs> in the entire world, even if they're an ape, it doesn't matter. <laughs> even if they're an ape. It doesn't matter. A I librarian mean, is sacred. Yeah, well, this one is, is a very well, a library. special uh, librarian. He yeah. has a library full of magical books who can kill people. Yeah. Hey, I'm not disagreeing. I agree. <laughs> I think books are fucking great. And also, books can kill people. Depending on what book you read, if you read uh, the Anarchist Cookbook, for example, or the Terrorist's Handbook. Or Mein Kampf. Or Mein Kampf. Well, that can't kill anybody. Only with boredom, because the book is fucking boring. <laughs> it wasn't even a well-written book. Mein Kampf. It should have put you to sleep. That's the only danger. Just don't read Mein Kampf while you're operating heavy machinery. That's, that's, that's the main criticism on, on Hitler. He's just not a good writer. Yeah, that's my, that's my gripe. <laughs> I'm like, you can make this more entertaining. Yeah. You can talk about Jews like this. You're just, and it's going to be boring too. I got to fucking slog through this shit. Reading about Jews and then you're not even good at it. You fucking idiot. Did Hitler. What a dumbass. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever hang out in libraries when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. You got a little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, Me too. Good quiet place sitting between shelves and... I would, I would go to a lot Barnes & Noble a good bit. Yeah, me too. Go grab some comic books and uh, some books and just go sit for a few hours. I, I would literally tell my mom I'm going to work and, and then like I didn't have work that day. And yeah. just go to Barnes & Noble all day. One time I got in trouble for staying at the library too late. That's That was the most rebellious I ever was as a kid. How, why, why, would, why would a parent ever get <laughs> make a kid... In trouble for staying oh, at the library for too long. Because it was the Bronx, and I'm not. You can't walk around after a certain time alone as a kid. That's fair. That's fair. But I like the library because the library was the only place that was not like the Bronx. I don't know how to explain it, but it was. It was like the oasis. It was a quiet. Nobody reads yeah. there. No, everyone in their borough is illiterate. With the, there are 50 people that read in the Bronx, yeah. and they all go to the library, and uh, and it's quiet, yeah. and it's nice. That's yeah. good. It was a good place for a kid. Well, so it's kind of good that the, your parents understood well enough to be like, look, get to home in a reasonable time, because it's not good out here. Yeah, don't be walking around. Well, because obviously I'm going to be walking around with my, my nose in a book, <laughs> you know, just... Reading the Hardy Boys and wandering into alleys, you know. You have a backpack full of books, but everybody thinks it's like money or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm loaded over here. (laughs) 
loaded full of Nancy Drew books <laughs> in the Babysitter's Club. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then when Barnes & Noble's opened up, I was happy about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Barnes & Noble was great. But that and uh, Books A Million. Books A Million have not been there. Really? Nope, nope, nope. They're pretty good. It's, it's similar to Barnes Noble, but uh, more of a um, thrift store feel. So mm. it's like a little bit more random. You're going to find way more random shit. I like that. Than at Barnes Noble. Yeah. You know, so it's. Uh, I think it's good. I think, I mean, you know, I really like Kindle. And I like that I can carry all these books around in it. And I don't even give a shit about charging. People are always bitching about that. You know, what happens when it, when the battery goes? It's like, I don't live in the fucking wilderness, you know? <laughs> There's charging ports everywhere. Relax. <laughs> it's not that hard to fucking get anything charged, you know? Even even a homeless person. There's like, there are places where they'll just put stuff for even a homeless person yeah, so homeless, they can charge their phones. The homeless stations, yeah. Yeah. That, that so, shit is wild. Yeah. <laughs> they just watch porn. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, I, I know. I'm not stupid. In Seattle, they had like a whole block with, with nine of these homeless stations set up. And the uh, I was I, I drove around for jump bike repairing and I was, I was fixing three bikes on the on the other side of the street, and all of the curtains were closed on these fucking things. Yeah. And I just see one by one homeless guys come out zipping up their pants, <laughs> and I'm like, y'all like just Broadway musical, just straight jerking <laughs> off out in the open, like God. Had the, uh, and of course that's what they're gonna do with it, like of course. And you know, so what? That's what they want to do with it, right? That's the thing. Well, the thing is that that's what the internet is for 90% of the time. Yeah. So, but man, like, charge your phone, go to like a back alley or something. <laughs> like, I would never, I would never feel comfortable jerking off on a sidewalk. Well, I mean, even if you were, did have a curtain surrounding you. I would still be like, man, like a, like a bird could come fly in here while I'm jerking off. That would be the craziest fucking thing. Like a bird come peck my dick. But birds have already pecked their dicks <laughs> when they're when they're taking a shit, when they're pissing, that's right? Fair. Falsely drunk that, that with their fair. pants Once down. You've gotten used to shitting on the sidewalk yeah. with everybody staring at you. It's not that far removed. To the people don't even seem like people to you anymore. Yeah. They just seem like birds, like birds passing by and they have nothing to do with you. True. You feel completely secure within the little pri your private bubble. Yeah. All right. That's fair. At least they have a curtain. And, they have, and then they got a curtain. <laughs> Very nice of the city. Very nice of the city to invest in a curtain. Very foresighted also. Yeah, they, they knew what was going to happen. I almost feel like they, they were kind of like, hey, this would be great for everybody. And then the homeless even have access to it. And then somebody goes, hey, that's a great idea and all. But how about we put like a curtain just in case, just in case. <laughs> and they're like, in case what? You know, privacy or something. I'd hate to have Who to be knows? the guy. Breastfeeding in case. You know, there's, I, I, I'd hate to have to be this guy, but there's some volunteer worker who has to go and scrub off these fucking homeless stations <laughs> <Yeah>. of cum <laughs> well, and that's all fine. this stuff. They give them power washing equipment. It's not like they're there with a toothbrush and, and some fucking mistaline, you this, know? This is going to be a volunteer. There's no way he's got the proper stuff for it. He's getting some <laughs> cum on him for sure. He's not, he doesn't have, he's not wearing maybe, maybe just safety goggles and gloves, but he's not wearing like proper clothing and <laughs> shit. He, the, the pressure washer, it's that, that shit is spraying cum back in his face. Yeah. Get a rain poncho. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. 
it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> those like, rain ponchos are super cheap, and you get a mask, right? And you power wash the shit, and you try not to think about all the loads of cum that you're <laughs> spraying off the surface of that fucking thing. And it's and it's only cum if you're lucky. Yeah, I mean, it could also just be straight up feces or some yeah, shit, piss and shit. Yeah. And- so a bunch of loogies they just like fucking vomit yeah loogies (laughs) you know a lot of people don't think about what they do in the bathroom and what they would have to do outside if they didn't have one yeah and it's a lot of that shit it's a lot of that a lot of your holes a lot of leaking holes so be grateful you have a private room for your leaky holes that's the best part about not being homeless anyway uh let's see any other fic facts about this um fifth book in the Discworld series published in 1988 sorcerers uh-huh 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 let's see anything else there are many references to geisha in the text which yes. are idia syncratic curses vows or obligations placed upon a person yeah, yeah that was an interesting the word geis, g-e-a-s Ga- um, ge- is it gesh or geish geish Gaius. I think it's either Gaius. Is it gas? Like Gaius or Gaius. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, and the whole time Rincewind is like, is that a type of bird? <laughs> and then it ends up being a type of bird. Oh, yeah. There is, there is a group of flamingo-headed, yeah, big-bodied, sumo leg <laughs> birds waddling around. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> another really cool thing is the, the chest type game that was played uh with the um the gods um let me see oh it doesn't really talk about it too much and i don't really remember much of it yeah, i just it's say what you remember more original than the usual symbolic chess game the concept of the character playing a game with the gods the devil or with death is common and yeah it, the gods on done manifest then play a uh Actually, kind of like D and D. Oh, they're playing D and D. Basically, they they mm. played D and D for uh, like, like they did before with Lady Luck and uh, uh, in the in the it was either the Light Fantastic or uh, Color Magic. Yeah. Yeah, Lady Luck was playing against Destiny. Yeah, that was a good one. Or Fate. Fate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but gay. Um, the uh, gayish gayish gayish. Geish. Geish is actually a real word. Yeah, yeah. It comes from Irish mythology. Yeah, yeah. It's it's supposed to be like a... Uh, uh, it's also a Celtic metal band. Ha. That's cool. I might look that up. <laughs> um, it's uh, a it's a idiosyncratic taboo, whether of obligation or prohibition, similar to being under a vow or a curse, but the observance of which can also bring power and blessings. Yeah. So it's a it's, it's like specifically a, a spell prohibiting an action. It's common in Irish and Scottish folklore and mythology and fantasy fiction. <laughs> it's Irish, Scottish folklore and mythology and fantasy fiction. Yeah. There you go. For sure. It's Yeah, that's the to, fantasy and fiction took so much from like Scottish and Irish and Oh, of course. All the, that shit. The Celtics and the Vikings and the... I mean, we're taking it from this world. Yeah. You know? We're less good at taking it from the Middle East because it's just obvious that we're doing it. 
So. And now it's considered <clears throat> cultural appropriation. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's why people nowadays will never like. Yeah, it's appropriating. I mean, it, that's accurate. It is appropriating. Yeah. It's appropriating from them. It's appropriating from the Scottish and the Irish yeah. and the Celts. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's appropriating people, to make a story. People are, are uh, nowadays, that kind of cultural appropriation is uh, frown, very frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's only with extremely online people. Just twitchy, sweaty people. No, no. And also um, humorless academics. Yes. Yeah, and they're cunts, so I don't care about cunts, personally. I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care about cunts. If somebody has a genuine um, reason, right, for being upset about appropriate and they want to talk about it, whatever, you know, that's a different thing. But a lot of the time, it's a cunt who it's more like they just get off on being able to stand on a little soapbox and, yeah. and like, shake a finger at you. And yeah, for sure. It's... It, it's a weird one because you just hear about like you can't wear this type of hair and blah 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 and I'm like yeah you can't wear this type of hair it's like it's hair it's not combing your hair gives you dreadlocks <laughs> it doesn't matter where you're from yeah. and guess when the comb was invented kind of relatively recently so what were we doing before then yeah cavemen all, all yeah every race had dreadlocks at one point it's kind of weird and still do i mean i think in india there are ethnic groups that have dreads uh that they they put red clay in and the, there's that i mean i don't know dude did you did you see me whenever uh colton put in french braids french braids no uh, i had french braids uh and i liked them and and everybody kind of complimented it it was pretty fire and then i was i was sitting in a circle with rebecca and i'm like so I'm thinking about keeping this. Uh, I'm going to shave a little bit, kind of clean it up so it looks nicer with the French braids. But uh, how do you feel about dreads, Rebecca, if I've got dreads? And Rebecca just started screaming. No! <laughs> well, I feel like Rebecca probably has a different reason, though. She doesn't, right? She, she probably just doesn't like dreads. No, she was like, you're not black. <laughs> <laughs> so? So what? Whatever. <laughs> I'm Fine. Like, I, I I get it, but I might still do. <laughs> I think you. I think they would look good on you. I would like it. I, I think I would. I would enjoy it. You'd have to. I would. I would have to let my shit go. Yeah, let it go. And yeah, because <laughs> my shit is like very, very like straight and very few curls. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would have to let my shit go. Well, you could. I gave myself dreads one time in college, and okay. I don't have. I mean, I have curly hair, but I don't have um, coily hair, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the the African textured hair you need for dreads to stick more easily. But what you have to do is you got to take strands of it and then comb upwards, and then you know you can get somebody to do it, and that'll make them go. You make make you develop dreads faster. Okay. Yeah, but that's a fuck. That's an afternoon. Yeah. You got to make uh, some crawfish etouffee and fucking relax, you know? And, uh, yeah. All right. Well, this time uh, in a couple weeks, uh, this day, you're going to have dreads, right? For the next episode, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm not going to promise, but uh, maybe you might see me with dreads. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, look, look at that, guys. Something to look forward to. In addition to the content, you also get aesthetic fashion changes that are just interesting to the eye. 
Or maybe we'll just throw a fucking fish at the... Also, I did want to give a shout out to uh, Dylan Higgins, MC Lunchbox, for our intro and outro music. He killed it. Thank oh, yeah. You, I love that music. That was great. <laughs> great job. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Awesome. This right. has been fun. Thanks for joining me once again, Clay, for, for sure. the Turtle Reads. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for tuning in and all that stuff. And yeah. we'll talk to you again soon. All right? All right. See ya. Bye. <laughs>